0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Moving On, where I talk to experts who have been through it all, whether it's been personally, professionally, some major changes happened and they have moved on from it and they're here to share their story with you. Today I have with me Bella Gondé. Hey, Bella. Hi. So, hey, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Bella in case you don't know about her. Here we go. So Bella Gande is the founder of the Smart Dating Academy. She has an uncanny sixth sense about people and what they need. Her intuition has been responsible for several marriages and children. And the Huffington Post and Steve Har- Harvey, I don't know why I'm calling Harry. Steve Harvey call her the fairy godmother of dating. Bella has been connecting people all of her life. Prior to founding the Smart Dating Academy, Bella worked for 12 years as a top global executive for AXO. That's right. Axo. Yeah. No. Uh-huh. Okay. Noble, a large multinational corporation. Bella has two degrees from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, finance and German. Oh, wow. I'm curious. I'm going to ask you about that by the way. And has been happily married for 20 years with two children because finance and German. Um, not that that's our starting point, but I'm totally curious. How did that happen?
1: So, <laughs> I took high, everybody was like, wait, German and France, and you went to business school? So I was in a program in high school where we learned German intensively. We were fluent by our junior high school. I spent a month overseas as a 16-year-old, and so it was fairly fluent. And so when I got to the University of Illinois, I kept taking German as an elective just to try to keep it up and not have it go away. And by the time I was a junior, I was a little slow on the uptake, I thought, and looking at the requirements i thought well if i take a couple more classes i would have a degree in german and a degree in finance so that's how it happened accidental degree in
0: german <laughs> and of course i'm curious have you ever done anything with the degree in german or is it just a degree on your wall well it's funny so
1: when I got out of school, you know, I was focused on finding a job in finance. So I got the plumest job that was available back in the day working in mergers and acquisitions for Arthur Anderson. And so I quickly knew that there were better people suited to do corporate valuations than me. I was like a flower that had no water and no sunlight, and I was getting sadder <laughs> and sadder. And so I joined my family's business that was actually. I'm um, looking to put a flag down in Europe. So my father, in his imminent wisdom, says to me, you know, I paid for this useless degree in German. Why don't you go to Germany, put our flag down in Europe, and start to drum up some business? So a long-winded way of telling you that it did come in useful at a certain point, not so much now in the love business, but totally back in the day, we were in the housewares business, and we made um, like a
0: Teflon product for cookware and bakeware. That is really wild. It's so funny how things always work out that way, where you have something, you know, that let's say you go to school again, like in your case, you go for a degree, and you think, oh God, I'm never going to use it. And your whole career goes off in a different direction, and then you end up using it later. I always feel like there's knowledge that we gain in all parts of our life that we keep using over and over.
1: I'm so with
0: you. Yes. Yeah, so to back up a little bit, because of course we want to talk about, you know, what it is in your life that you had to move on from my first question is around your intuition so you know in reading the bio you're talking about intuition so can you explain a little bit about what your intuition is like and where you feel that started in your life
1: yeah um it's actually kind of what put me into this business much later but the first time i i realized it i was a senior in college and I was living with a girl who was two years younger than me and we were thick as thieves and we were the perfect yin and yang. I'm the Extroverted. Hey, let's go out. There's a party here. And She was very much more the accounting student like no I can't do that. And I would usually I was able to rile her up and get her to go out. But one night. She basically says, I'm not having your antics on a Thursday night, you're on your own. So I went to a party thrown by a friend of mine and I started chatting with this other guy randomly. And I had this intuition that I can't explain. And I said to him, you're you're gonna marry my roommate. And he's like, what did you just say? I said, you, you should meet my roommate. Like it just spit out, you're gonna marry my roommate. And so flash forward five years later, they got engaged and now they're happily married and they live in the suburbs of Chicago with three kids. And then there was a roommate of mine who I introduced to another friend of mine. And then I just saw that I have these matchmaking instincts and I got myself out of bad unhealthy relationships by putting myself through a a model that I thought everybody did to figure stuff out because I'm a nerdy business school person so I make spreadsheets and columns and analyses and so I started to do this with all of my friends and they're like you know how to do this and so I've been married happily for a long time all of my friends have been so when we sold our our business in manufacturing I thought you know what What would be more purposeful for me at this point to help people find love? Nothing. And it took me three years to move on from my own anxiety, my fear of failure, my fear of what would people say? You're a business person. You had this big career. Now you want to be a dating coach? Are you kidding me? So so I started this business in 2009 and it was the best decision
0: ever. That's so wild. It's so funny how we can have a passion for something or a talent for it and yet second guess it or like you said, you spent three years having anxiety about, oh, should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? Or whatever the fears were. But it's really fascinating how we can just stand in our way of doing what it is we really want.
1: Yeah. And it's usually fear based. There's some sort of a bad story you're telling yourself. And I was certainly the queen of bad stories back in the day.
0: So... Curiosity, of course. So, what were some of your stories? And, you know, and of course, I also want to come back to childhood as well, because I find that a lot of our patterns and our behaviors come from childhood. So, I'm curious how all of that sort of played forward, you know, like how you were as a kid, things you went through, how you even, you know, chose a career path that you did. Of course, I I understand the family business, but. You know, all of those things intermingled. So you can pretty much start anywhere with that. But I am, I'm very curious about that.
1: You know, it's a great question. I think the story I would tell myself is, how would you make that leap? Like, you know, you have the intuition that you would be good at this. You've helped people, but does this even exist? Do people need the help? Why would they hire you? You've been married. What, you know, and it was all of these things that would swirl around my head like how do you how do you pivot your career from one thing to another and and I tried to get a job at a dating service to cut my teeth i didn't think i would be an entrepreneur and that was part of the story i was telling myself my dad was an entrepreneur and i worked in his company but i'm not an entrepreneur so i need to go work for someone else and so it was all of these stories and i tried to get jobs and nobody would and the one dating service in town wouldn't hire me, I couldn't get past the front door. And I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe this is a sign that I'm gonna need to do this on my own. So that old story of I'm not an entrepreneur had to be reshifted into, well, hell, if you wanna do this, you're going to have to become an entrepreneur and do it yourself. So it's a lot of those old stories that, you know, I'm a corporate finance person and this is what I do and I'm a good number two, And, and now, you know, I guess I'm an okay number one.
0: (laughs) And it's interesting again, how much of that is just a story that you were telling yourself that wasn't really true. Um, uh, No, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, it's like, you know, what did they say? You change your story, you change your life. Right. And for me, the change of story, you know, wasn't so conscious, right? I just said, well, if I want to do this, there's only one way to do it, and that's do it. And so, and now in retrospect, it's kind of like when you climb up the mountain a little bit and then you have the luxury of sort of looking back to see how far you've come. That's when you can really say, wow, look at
0: all those stories. Right. And it sounds like, you know, you had a lot of them, especially if it took you such a length of time, you know, three years is a substantial length of time to go from one career to what do I do now or I want to do this. But I'm curious. So the dating service that wasn't going to hire you or you couldn't even get in the front door, was it just they weren't interested in hiring period or what was the deal with that?
1: i think you know a 22 year old answered the door you know i came in there and they're like email your resume and their office is not far from where i am and it's just lunch i mean it's you know it's a national franchise and i thought okay and they had an ad so i thought let me go with all my big business collateral and you know i went dressed with the briefcase kind of in the world that i came from of running a business and i walked in there and i don't think the 22 year old who's chewing gum knew what to do she's like oh okay well just leave me your resume i said Could I speak with someone? Is your GM here? You know, and she's like, "No, just leave your resume. I'll I'll get it to her." And that was it. Like, couldn't get past the door. And I thought, "Wow, it was you know a giant piece of humble pie to be fed after running a global multi-million dollar business, right?" And so it was like, "Wow, okay." This is what it feels like. And so I think you learn also a lot of empathy as well for how hard it is for people to put themselves out there to try to get that job, to take that stuff. And so I think in retrospect, if you want to do something, do it. Like, there's no, like, just it's like five, four, three, two, one yourself and just move in that direction. Or you'll spend three years hemming and hawing and thinking about it and perfecting it. And I think I'm, I tend to be, you know, I'm the firstborn. I'm a perfectionist. I'm a people pleaser, right? So all of those things can form the perfect storm to keep you stuck.
0: Yes, they can. I am a firstborn as well. And I have gone through that myself. So, um, you know, a lot of my work, no, Yeah, I do. And so a lot of my work has been around not being a people pleaser and a perfectionist anymore, because you can get stuck in that place of trying to figure it out and get it to perfection before you put it out there. And really, it's just about putting it out there. It's about putting
1: it out there. Right. And what do they say in the venture capital world? Like, get it out there, fail fast, make your mistakes and then tweak, revise. Otherwise, you'll never have the perfect you know you'll never have the perfect model I remember my husband telling me you know this is before I started the business before iPhones he's like imagine if remember remember iPods and how big they were in the beginning and by the time I started we were at the mini he's like think about if Apple was like oh we really want to make the mini so we can't really put the bigger version out there he's like you put it out there and then you continue to tweak it so he's always been such a great cheer later
0: like go jump do
1: it so so I'm glad I have him in my corner.
0: So let me ask you something about your husband and meeting your husband and all of that. So was it intuition that brought you two together? Like how did you meet him and what was the story there? So we met in the eighth grade. Um, we went to high school together we were in that
1: crazy program together where he also has a major in German so we became friends later in high school and then we both went to college together and ended up living in the same dorm serendipitously so we became instant friends from home because when you go to a campus like the University of Illinois with 40,000 people and you're from a small suburb, for me anyone I had laid my eyes on was my new best friend <laughs> from home so we became really good friends and I I dated some good people. I dated some schmucks. um, I kind of ran the gamut and really did some soul searching. And that's what led me to starting to date Andy. He had become my best friend and we were together all the time. But I, I wanted the tall, crazy bad boys that, you know, rode motorcycles and did all this stuff that wasn't good for me. And when I looked at the people that make me really happy in my life, and it actually dovetails into the analyses that we do with our clients today, it led me to say, this is gonna be a really good yin to your yang. And then three years later we got engaged and
0: now we've been married an awfully long time and have two teenagers. Wow, wow, that's awesome. And so in your relationship with him, what would you say is one of the biggest differences to relationships you had in the past in terms of, I know you've been together a long time, but you know, in terms of the way that you would call it, let's say a healthy relationship versus not a healthy relationship, because a lot of people listening walk that fine line of trying to make a dysfunctional relationship, a functional one when it's really yeah. not.
1: Yeah. I mean, it takes two people to take something out of dysfunction into function. Right. And it it's like your stuff plus his stuff or her stuff equals our stuff. So it's a lot of work to turn the dysfunction into function. It's possible. Um, I think from a functional standpoint, what I can tell you is the way that you would feel in a fully healthy, happy relationship from the get-go, let's say you've been dating someone and at three months you decide to become exclusive, the relationship should feel easy right? And easy doesn't mean no conflict. It means when we have conflict, we can navigate through it easily. We have fun easily. We compromise on things easily. Nobody's yelling and screaming and throwing the microwave at the other person or, you know, bailing out a dodge for seven days. That it's just, it's all easy and it takes the knot out of your stomach. If you find yourself with heavy butterflies in your stomach, it's your gut telling you to get the hell out.
0: I agree. And I also think that people mistake that for chemistry and I'm always like, yeah, that's just your um, subconscious telling you this is familiar. Yeah. Not A good thing.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's familiar versus what's right. You're exactly right. And it's when, when my clients will tell me sometimes, oh my God, I had the best first date. We had all this chemistry. It was amazing. And I'm like red flag. He reminds you of a narcissist that you've dated in your past. Like, a good first date is OK, right? And this is one of the big mistakes that people make in the dating process is we're looking for these thunderbolts, the butterflies, the chemistry, the fireworks, the, like, oh, my god. Like, I want to feel it. You don't want to feel it on the first date or second date. Good love is a slow burn, right? So a first date that's OK is fine, and then the second date. Maybe you like the person a little bit more. You don't have to feel chemistry until later
0: in the game, right? And this is where people have this all backwards because we've been Hollywooded. That's a great term, Hollywooded, because I think that that's true. You know, I'm always telling people whenever there's intensity, that is not real. That is not what you yeah. want. You know, I, I feel, yeah, I was going to say, cause I feel like when it comes to like, it, for me, I'm married for the second time. And in meeting my husband it was a healthy relationship and it's still a healthy relationship yeah just the things you were saying and people go but don't you have conflict all the time or don't you feel like you've got to fix the other person and it's like those things are completely missing in terms of it being conflict that's ongoing you know people have this ongoing conflict and think this is the problem i got to complain about for the next 50 years but in a healthy relationship, I don't believe that has to exist.
1: Completely. I'm so with you. People think, oh, relationships are work. Marriage is work. It is work, right? It's work to keep the chemistry alive, right? Because relationships change over time and you have to work to be the best version of yourself and the best partner, but it's not the soul crushing energy vampire work. If that's the case,
0: you might not be in the right relationship. That's what I say all the time. I do a Facebook live every Thursday and I'm like, I was just talking about this this morning when, you know, people are always talking about, should I stay or should I go? Because there's breadcrumbs, there's nothing really. And you're holding on to little bits. So I like that when people come to you and they hire you, that you're giving them that advice that you're telling them, Hey, look, that's not the greatest thing on a first date that you're, you know, out of your mind with being on cloud nine. Totally. And
1: people their minds are blown every time because we're not taught how to do this. Finding the right partner, they say 90% of your happiness or 90% of your misery will be choosing the right partner. And I think all of us that have been married and or divorced know that painfully well. And but we're not taught how to do this. We're taught to think this should be natural. Right. People have been doing this since the beginning of time, but society has changed so much. What we want out of marriage has changed so much. We're living three times longer than we were at the turn of the last century. So there's so much that has changed, but our instincts haven't changed. And so now you get 50% divorce rates with first marriages, 67% on second marriages. So it's like, let's everyone stop and learn how to do this the right way. That's my ultimate goal is, you know, that we're taught how to do this when we're teenagers so that we avoid the massive emotional, spiritual, physical, and financial cost to bad relationships.
0: I love that. And I think that's important because I'm always talking about a lot of this starts in childhood and then our teenage years, obviously with dating. Yeah. So do you believe that there is somebody or, or people out there when they say, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to date, that there are truly people that shouldn't be dating?
1: I think if you haven't done your work, right? If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you know, it's the cliched definition of insanity, right? But if you have not taken a good look in the mirror and done your introspection, it's easy to go, he's a narcissist and she's a narcissist, he's crazy and she's crazy. But at the end of the day, the common denominator is us. Why did I, I attract jerks. Not really, you accept the jerks, you accept the bad behavior. So having that look and doing the analysis and the work to say, Why do I keep doing this? If you haven't done that yet and you don't know what you're looking for, for women, we call them high GHQ guys, high and good husband qualities. That's our trademark, and we have a whole process to get people there. Before you have done that kind of work, you should really, you know. it takes a village to find love. Get some help and know that you're on the right course this time because left to our own devices, to your point, Tracy, we do what's comfortable versus what's right. And Sometimes people will come to me like, I've done a lot of therapy. I know the signs of a narcissist. I'm like, okay, it's like reading a book about skydiving. You don't know how to skydive until you've jumped out of a plane dozens of times with an instructor ain't nobody going to let you jump out of that plane on your own, right? So it's the intellectual knowing versus the execution. It's chalk and cheese, totally different things.
0: I totally agree with that. I'm always talking about that too, because I feel like people will read books or go to therapy or, you know, and they come to me and they're like, okay, I've done all of this. Why do I still feel the way I do? and you know it really is about taking a deep dive and knowing yourself and not necessarily well they're a narcissist they're that it's great to label other people but that doesn't really help you it's really no. you know what you're gonna do for you
1: 100 percent. you're so right
0: so when you take people on is there a certain criteria that you look for to begin with um
1: you know i want my I, you know we talk about our ideal client avatars, whatever you want to call it. But for me, um, feeling that chemistry when I first, I vet everybody personally, even though we have a team right now, because I want someone to be positive. I want them to be introspective. I want them to be willing to do things differently. They're coachable and they're nice people because these are all things that lend themselves to a spectacular dating life.
0: That sounds like it. It sounds like the perfect storm in a sense, right? In a positive yeah. way. Um, well, totally. You know, some people are like,
1: oh my God, I'm old. I don't look great. Maybe I need a boob job or I need like a nip or a tuck or I need to lose all this weight. It's like, no, there are many lids to your pot. Get your inside right.
0: Get your inside right. And the outside is way easier. I totally agree with that because I think you exude from the inside out anyway. And so yeah. I would think that that would apply. So you obviously then have people that are of all different ages. Yeah, 27 to 77. Wow, wow, that's quite the range. That's really cool. So with your intuition, how do you use it now? Because I'm imagining you're not going to parties at the dorm and you know, going, you're going to be great for my roommate. Like, How do you use your intuition in this work now?
1: So I put my intuition down on paper at this point and proceduralize it so that we can teach this process to each person to understand intuitively what's right or what's wrong. And if your intuition guides me the right way, well, my procedure is going to get you to do the right things and which will train your intuition. So ultimately it's about finding what you need in a relationship to be happy versus continuously seeking out the, the quantitative things that you want. That's where the rubber really hits the road. And that's where our coaching process has been amazing and transformative to thousands of people. It's like, oh my God, when we get through our, our high GHQ process, it's like people are like, they're like, how did I not learn this 20 years ago? Right. And so it is, um, and it's just, it's one foot in front of the other. Right. And it's having fun
0: during the process. Like I like to
1: say, we're like personal trainers for people's love lives. Right. We make it fun. Well, who are
0: you? What are your goals? Okay.
1: Let's hit the ground running.
0: (laughs) I love that. So then when you start working with people, they start dating pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. Usually within four to six weeks of starting up our process. So, and we do everything like we do people's pictures. We write their profiles. I recently wrote a book with the perfect template, like Mad Lib style, to write your own match and Bumble profile, or my writers write it for you. So we have a whole host of things that we can work with people on. But um, yeah, it is, it's, it's been amazing to see the shifts in people.
0: That's awesome. So how long would you say from when somebody comes to work with you, is it till they meet somebody that they feel like this is a good relationship for them?
1: You know if they've, it's, it's a really big question. It's kind of like saying, okay, if you have a great weight loss program, how long is it going to take every person to lose 50 pounds? So now it's the same dynamic. You can have Jillian Michaels, you can have whoever your nutritionist is, but now are you gonna follow what they tell you to do? And that's where the rubber hits the road. So truth being told, I have people that meet someone the very first date that they've been on. We have people where it takes a longer time, right? So it's all across the board, but it's really person specific.
0: That's great. And I think that that makes a lot of sense because it isn't just a cookie cutter, one size fits all. And that just shows, right, that you're working individually with people. And it's self-driven,
1: right? It's like anything big you want in your life. Like I could hand you, you know, weight loss in a box, but ultimately you're going to have to unpack that box and then do the things. and eat the whatever and drink the whatever and work out, right? And and do it consistently and build it into your daily life. It's not like you're going to do it for three days and lose 50 pounds, finding love. And the reason I go with that metaphor is when I say that, then people start to go, okay, I get it. I'm like, it's the same as any of these seismically big changes that you need to make in your life. We'll give you the tools and we're along for the ride. We're coaching people on a weekly basis to have accountability, which is everything. Because if not, People go back to the same stuff they've been doing week over week, year after year, decade after decade. So really in our process, the weekly check-ins, all the tools. We have dating scorecards. We have dating trajectories for have healthy relationships. What do narcissistic dating relationships look like? So this is what you get with the former MA finance geek being a dating
0: coach. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's you know, giving people, a, I say anything that tracks where they were to where they are and everything in between, I think is helpful. Uh, yeah. You know, I've started doing more of that in my own programs uh, because that's been something for me. I'm the opposite, I'm in the creative brain, I'm in the uh, numbers, what, what are those? So Why? Right. yeah, exactly. So what tips would you give to somebody who has had a, let's say a track record of only having had dysfunctional relationships and has a hard time, uh, from their own mouth saying, gosh, you know, I just have a hard time finding love. And I don't know if I believe that that exists for me because I've only had these kind of relationships. I would tell you to get help.
1: I would tell that person, don't be despondent help is on the way it exists, you know, get a therapist get a coach, but you have to have an intervention. If your mindset, which I love, it's like, okay, I have a bad picker, you need help, like fix that shit. Like you don't have to live like that, but get the help around it, don't be despondent. And this is this fallacy that we should know how to do this. It's all on us, we need to do it alone. But the best athletes in the world have coaches. CEOs have coaches, right? And here, when we're on the ground by ourselves, we feel like we just lose track of what's really correct. It's like, no, get the help. People can help you to do this. Just like you can hire a trainer or a business coach or somebody to write your resume, a personal stylist. There are people out there that do
0: this that can help you get inspired. You don't have to do this by yourself. I totally agree because a lot of people seem to think they can do everything on their own. And my audience is made up of a lot of people that, you know, just listen to my podcast and they're trying to do it on their own. And I always believe that, Hey, guess what? Civilization wouldn't have been here. If we wouldn't have had a community, there is no way human beings would have survived.
1: 100% their strength and numbers. Like we do group workshops now called love labs and where you can, you know, we, People write the profiles for Match and for Bumble and curate each other's photos. Like, it's amazing. And the camaraderie in a group and just the collective sigh of knowing, oh my God, all these other awesome people have the same questions I do, right? There's so much value in community.
0: I believe that. I have found that out, I would say, later, but in terms of my own work and i have a group and i feel like that's the best thing that we do is we have this group because it's true it's that camaraderie it's that accountability it's that feeling of having other people who are possibly in the same place you are um and so what would you say to somebody you know because we've gone through the okay i've had the dysfunctional relationships how about somebody who hasn't dated in a long time maybe decades what would you say to them
1: jump in just do it um you know, like something like, you know, obviously do what feels right to you, but get some help around this. The easiest thing to do from the dating world is really number one, do your work, know what you want, what you need in a partner versus what you just want, right? Make sure that you are over your divorce. If you feel angry bitter, hostile, like you still want to talk about it and everything he or she did to you, you may not be in a good place yet. Like you should really heal from that and have closure on that before you get back into the dating world again, I think. So even if it's been decades and if you feel like you're ready, you feel like you've done the work, you feel like you're excited about it, start online. Right. Get have a bunch of great photos of yourself that are new, no more than one year old and have someone help you write profiles for a site and an app that's good for you based on what city you're in, who you're looking for, who you are. And then, you know, just start to dip your toe back in there. That's what our love lab does is it's for people that are literally like, I've never done that. We had a guy that lost his wife. 18 months ago, and he, she was long-term ill. And so now it's been a year and a half. And he said, I am terrified of trying this. Like, I need a life jacket on around me. And he has already met somebody. Wow. And he was part of our May Love Lab, and now it's July. It's amazing. Once you get yourself out there in the right way, with the right pictures, the right profile, like, you can be unstoppable if you know
0: that your picker is fixed. Yeah. That's the thing, is the picker being fixed. So do you believe that people have to go online to meet somebody?
1: No, I don't think you have to do anything. You have to get out of your house. You have to do something. Most likely it's not gonna be a, an Uber Eats person, you know. It might be, like stranger things have happened, but those aren't good odds if you're just waiting for a delivery person once every other day. So online dating is the world's largest cocktail party and so that's a party most people should think about being a part of. Is it easy? No, it's not. There's a lot of riffraff. It feels like needle in a haystack. But one in three marriages nationally take place because of online dating. In my practice, 85% of our clients meet their, the lid to their pot online. So when you do it the right way, you can have great results. So I think we're remiss. To not use technology because you can vet someone so much better by looking at a dating site. How do they write? How do they speak? What do their photos look like? Right? It might take you, you know, six dates to learn that somebody's been married four times and has seven children, you know, versus you could read a lot about what this person was like online and certainly get more
0: of that feeling. You can do your due diligence better. That sounds like it. I mean, I met my husband on Match, so there you go. There you go. Right, right? (laughs) But if you would have told me that mm, 10 years before that, I would have thought, oh God, why do I wanna meet somebody online? And I still hear that from people. That's why I asked you, because I know there's people listening who think, well, I don't wanna meet someone online. And they'll get pretty argumentative about it and think, well, the only way to meet somebody is in person. But I think there's a big fear factor for some people in going online, I think they feel more vulnerable that way.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, which is ironic that you don't feel vulnerable going out into the real world, into a bar, into a meetup group, right? Online, you get to say no, right? You don't have to, nobody's picking you up at your house. You're not giving anybody your last name or your email address. There's actually way more anonymity there than in most other places. So we just, again, tell ourselves the wrong story.
0: Right. We do that with many things, by the way. So things, most things. <laughs> yes, we do. So besides your love lab, what are some of the programs that you offer to people that might be interested in taking up you know, something as far as going to your academy?
1: You know, we do Thursday nights, everything from free products. We try to give as people as much information as we can through doing shows like your amazing show. Um we do Instagram lives every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central, so that's five PM Pacific, um, where I'm taking live questions from people and they've been amazing. I started to do them during COVID and it's just grown and grown and grown. And then We do our love labs. We have a free gift on our website, you know, called the seven clues you're in a relationship with a narcissist. We do, and then what we're really well known for is our one-on-one coaching programs where we're literally working with you right? And getting to know you, your family history, your dating patterns, your relationship history, what worked, what didn't work, what was his responsibility, what was hers. And and really looking at this constellation of data points to help you to fix your picker. And then defining who's going to make you happy with this roadmap you've probably never had in your life because we're not taught how to do this. Then commensurate, what are the red flags? That you're going to see through the process so this is how we help people to navigate it step by step into dating and love and the you know the the light and the beautiful pot
0: of gold at the end of the rainbow awesome so before we wrap it up <clears throat> two things one is are there any other tips or anything you feel that the audience should know and then how do people find you
1: Um, What I want you guys to all know is love exists for you. It's a when, it's not an if. So whether you are single and you've been single for a long time, or you're newly single, or maybe this has resonated for you, and you know that you're in a relationship that's really hard, and there's no way out, you've been accepting the crumbs and bad behavior, and maybe this has inspired you to help get out, I will tell you, I'm what we call a psychotic optimist. I know that love exists for every single person that's listening to this right now, so get inspired, get energized, and I want you to write on your bathroom mirrors, maybe with lipstick, love exists for me, it's when it's not an if, or put a post-it note up there. And I'm inviting you to become a psychotic optimist about your own life with me because I'm psychotically optimistic for your prospects.
0: I love that. I love that term. I might have to borrow that, but I believe in you and I believe that that's true. I do. It's just a matter of getting to believe it for yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So psychotic optimism is everything. Yeah. Our little thing. I'm, I'm our chief psychotic optimist. (laughs)
0: that's a great title to have so where i I love that so where can people find you
1: um smartdatingacademy.com um sign up for a newsletter it's free follow me on instagram that's where we do our ig lives tons of posts stories polls lots of and it's at smart dating academy on facebook smart dating
0: academy it's pretty consistent that makes it really easy yeah Well, Bella, I have enjoyed our conversation today. This has been great. And I'm sure my audience is loving it. And um, I'd love to have you back at some point too. So love that. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you. And everybody listening, thank you for tuning in. And if you have any questions at all, you know where to find Bella. Or you can also leave notes wherever you happen to find this, whether it's on YouTube or Facebook or somewhere else online, you can absolutely leave comments and we'll get to them. So thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in.